Right, um, welcome to Desert Islanders and very excited to have all the way from Brisbane the father of one of my very good friends, Jackie Tilston, John Tilston. Um, John, thank you very much for joining us. I think it's seven in the evening in um, just north of Brisbane, is that right? Yep, a bit, bit after that, but yes, it is. Great. Thank you for inviting me. Well, a pleasure. And um, we've just been, um, yeah, 7.25. And as you know, we've just been having a very, um, a very enjoyable conversation from my perspective. And um, I'm really looking forward to listening to your music choice, but really also hearing the stories behind them about you and your life and um, why you've chosen those particular songs. Um, now, John, um, <laughs> it would, what would it really be? Um, so I'll give you quickly the background. So I'm going to... Yeah. So although you are north of Brisbane, let's let's go into another realm. I'm going to take you onto a desert island. Nowhere near Australia, nowhere near you've ever been before. You'll be on your own. I do apologise by that, by the way. And um, on on the oh well, there you go. Well, see, some some people might might love it. Um, you know, <laughs> it might feel it might feel like normal times for you. Never know. Yes. <laughs> um, and and as you know. Um, Thanks to the dear departed Roy Plomley from uh, from BBC Radio, we're going to give you eight songs that you can take with you. Although at the end of the uh, end of the conversation, I will ask you to choose one of them if I was to take all the others away. Uh, a friend I mentioned this kind of thing to recently said, "Oh, that's like asking me to choose between my five grandchildren." Then he paused and he said, <laughs> yeah. "He paused and he said, but I think I could manage that." <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then the other part of the format um, to to remind you is that at the end of the conversation, I will offer, but you don't have to accept, um, both a copy of um, the Bible and the full works of Shakespeare. You can suggest alternatives if you prefer or just say no, thank you. Um, I will offer you a luxury and one book. But that'll be at the end. We'll, we'll come to that later. Um, I, I just before we started, for people who, who don't know, because obviously, hopefully family and friends will be listening to this, but we do have people who, beyond myself, who, who won't know you. Um, do you want to give us a quick introduction? Because um, I know you've had a very interesting life in terms of travel, but I believe you started, um, we've just heard off air that your life um, has been framed by the reign of Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, do you want to give some background to that and some of the the travels you've had in your life, which has taken you to where you are, north of Brisbane today? Yeah, sure. Um, thank you, Baron. Um, well, I I think I'm sort of a product of the end of empire because um, I was born in 1952 in, in a hospital in Manchester, and three years later, my parents, particularly my father as I understand it, was tired of sort of uh, rationing Britain and the, and the cold, dank uh, sort of, you know, gloom of post-war Britain. He, he thought he'd go to the sunshine of Southern Africa, so he yanked me and my mother uh, without any consultation. Not that I would have been much use at the age of three to Southern Africa. So I grew up in the sunshine of Southern Africa. Um, and when you say Southern uh, Africa, you mean, was it Rhodesia at the time? It was Rhodesia, Zimbabwe, yeah. Uh, we arrived there in, I think, uh, 50, 1956, um, when it was still part of, no, actually, the, 
it was no longer called the Empire, but it was the British Commonwealth of Nations, but the Queen Mother was still visiting and uh, things like that. Um, and gradually uh, the winds of change, or the wind of changes, Harold Macmillan said in He did indeed, didn't he? Cape Town, yeah, um, things started to change. Uh, but in terms of, uh, of a, a young white boy in Southern Africa, it, it's pretty hard uh, to think that it was not a wonderful upbringing, except in the sense that it was a bit culturally insensitive. But, you know, you you went to a good school, you um, played a lot of sport, the weather was wonderful, there were no threats on the horizon that you could see as a as a as kind of like an insular youngster mm-hmm. so it was a it was a very secure uh, pleasant um, childhood upbringing yeah childhood yeah, and, and and just um, to remind me you moved you moved there from manchester when you were what age three and a half three and a half so you're yes. so i'm assuming your earliest memory and were you in salisbury or outside yes salisbury Harare, yeah okay um, great. So, so yeah. you're you're in the city, but I'm imagining it, it was fairly leafy, shall we say? Yes, it was leafy, and it was a very small town, really. Um, you know, like Zimbabwe now, I think has got about uh, maybe 15 million inhabitants, but back then it had about four million people, wow. maybe even slightly less. And the that. white population and would have been what? About two hundred thousand, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was, and and the vast bulk of the population were rural. So Salisbury, as it was then, was was a small town, and it was a very uh, Anglo t- town, really, mm. without having the kind of connectivity that we have in the modern era. So you know, when you read about a a test match at Lords. Um, it wasn't kind of immediate. It might be a couple of days later that you heard about it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Wow. So so we're literally talking about another era, um, almost another sort yes, of historical indeed. realm, really. That's right. Sad to say, when you get to a certain age, you can, you can remember previous eras. Yeah, well, that's that's why... Um, actually, that's, actually, it's not sad. I said, no, it's no, but it's, it's fascinating, um, the human journey in that sense, and, and the, your yeah, physical yeah. journey. And that's one of the reasons why I'm I'm very interested in talking to you today and hearing your stories and hearing your music because it does bring that back to life. And as you say, um, it was the end of a particular period in history. And you know, yes. and as you know, and as we've seen, for example, with the um, the response to statues and other things, that 2020 is reappraising recent and later pasts in particular ways. But nevertheless, yes. your lived experience yes. is li- your lived experience, yes. and it's your testimony, and that's why I think it's fascinating to hear from you rather than through other people's eyes. Mm. Um, so let's take you to your first um, your first piece of music, because despite talking about um, you know what seems from your perspective um, you know a pleasant, warm, and benign um, upbringing, you've you've ended up um, where you are in Brisbane with a sense of rootlessness i think homelessness and that's the, yes. the subject and theme of your first um song is it not it it is and this song is is resonant for kind of two reasons partly because well i think the most important reason is that 
the, the uh, particularly Lady Lady Smith Black Mambaza who do a lot of, on this record with Paul Simon. Um, they are just fantastic, and they they capture for me so much of the wonderful singing and 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 sort of joie de vivre of Africa. Um, on the one hand, and the other hand is the whole title and theme of homeless seems to partly capture my life, having moved around so much. I would, I'm a bit hard-pressed to say where home is. We, so, yeah, we, we were talking about that before. Place. I'm sorry to interrupt you. We were talking about that before. Yeah. And so for me, it's a, it's a place, but that might be a nostalgic place. But for you, it's not in any of the places, if I understand it correctly, that you have lived, whether it's Manchester, where you were born, or the Salisbury that you grew up in, or near Brisbane, where you are now. So where would you feel most at home, do you think? Um, I actually, I, I can't answer that question, because um, when I've, I, actually, I actually moved back to London in 1997. Um, I realised that I had a sort of a a colonial view of London when I moved back. I didn't have a realistic view of London. And so... What was the um, difference between your perception of it before you arrived and the reality that you met when you were living there day to day? Well, I think I was sort of in awe of all of the uh, monuments, not the statues, but the kind of... um, Monuments and institutions of London, you know, the Houses of Parliament, Oxford Street, uh, the Fleet Street, um, Hampstead Heath, all of these things that that, there'd been this sort of mythology in my mind created around them because I'd been, I had not experienced them directly. I'd read about them. I'd heard about them and they were kind of like the uh, icons of, of home. But when I got to London, people didn't hold those things in the same kind of regard that I did. Mm. So it was, it was kind of like we're crashing to earth in London. Not that I don't like London, I have to say. But it wasn't, it wasn't that country or even that concept that you'd, you'd grown up with. It was, and also yes. that, that, that we were talking about before, that kind of post-war sort of modern view of those monuments, for want of a better phrase, is there's almost a kind of embarrassment, sort of not entirely comfortable with it, and that sort of picture postcard version of London that people sell to tourists. It's like, is that the real country? Is that the one to revere? Or is it in Brixton? Or is yeah, it, yeah. you know, that kind of thing? Yeah, it, yes, that's right. It's it's partly that, and it's... Um... It's, it's an embarrassment, but it's also a slight disappointment is that, okay, maybe what I was told back in little old Salisbury wasn't entirely true, you know. Yeah, yeah. So um, so let's muse on that while we listen to the wonderful <laughs> singing of um, that amazing album that Paul Simon put together with um, yeah. Ladysmith back, Black Mambasa, which is Homeless. Yeah. I will bring me. Mm-hmm. 
Beautiful piece of music, John. Indeed. And it, look, you know, it's such a beautiful piece of music, but it also brings to mind uh, sort of uh, demonstrations, for want of a better, better word, or maybe maybe protests where there are groups of people 
agitating against something, but they are producing this wonderful sort of uh, music without without any accompaniment. It's just all voice, and it's just stunning. Absolutely. Anyway, I, lo- I do love that. Yeah. Yeah, but as you say, it's it's on the one hand, it, it works on so many levels, as you've just said. It's yes, it's yeah. protest music, um, so if it it cuts into all the um, all the historical, political, social context that you were setting up before yes. before the song. Um, you were giving your experience of it, and obviously, other people had other re- responses to that situation. And as you yes. say, um, to Macmillan's wind winds of change. Um, so, I suppose the question is: At what stage did you become aware? that um, things were not as settled and as comfortable as they had seemed to be in your youth? Oh, that's a hard question to answer. It would have been somewhere in my middle teens. Um, I had, I think it's a good fortune to have a father who did not seem to have any prejudice in his body anywhere. My mother, not so much. No, I'm not saying that I didn't love my mother in any way, but he, you know, when when you were growing up in uh, as a white boy in southern in Zimbabwe, um, it would be very easy to stumble across, um, I guess, what you would call hate speech these days. Wow! Uh, but I never heard it in my household, so I think. It was not so much that I became aware of things within my household. It was um, external to that when uh, when you thought you saw things that didn't look quite right. But also, I have to say, is that there was really strong press censorship, uh, really mm. strong mm. Um, controlling of the message. Yep. So a lot of the things that I know now from looking back in the situation is I did not know then because you were like a mushroom, you know, as they say, kept in the dark and yep. fell on shit, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that for not, not instilling in me or, or kind of role modeling in me nasty things, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, um, that's, that's, a, that's a nice memory of your father to have. Um, yeah, yeah, indeed. Very much. So your your next song um, takes us on the journey, I think, because it's by Johnny Clegg. Um, I won't claim yeah. to know much about Johnny Clegg, but I do know that I think he is a South African performer, um, white South African, yes, if I, if I get that right. And and uh, yeah, he was. A, sorry. Yeah. No, please carry on. Uh, yeah, he was um, a white South African performer who who formed or was part of being formed into a a group with some uh, black African guys and they formed a band called Jaluka and um, I'm not 100% sure why I selected this but I think one of the things is growing up in Zimbabwe I'm not I wasn't really conscious of any music it was like a musicless free really freaking really <laughs> it was only when uh, I you know I looked, I, my mum used to play Rackman enough Piano concerto number two on Sunday mornings. That's it, and I didn't really like that. I don't think. So the thing is, I moved to Botswana in about um, uh, about 
1980 maybe sorry that might be a bit off but um Botswana was a much more inclusive society not without some tensions and Johnny Clegg and Jaluka and Fever seemed to sort of capture for me a bit of an ideal really where people just got on together and had a good time and mm. Fever is an if Fever is a it's quite a nice number actually and that's what and it and it makes you I suppose think of a society here's a question do you think um Rhodesia slash Zimbabwe um could have been like Botswana or were there just too many tensions in um in Rhodesia at the time uh, that that is a big question uh, Baron but I tell you one thing that has struck me since I've done some research into this is when there, there, there were quite a lot of white Rhodesians and black Rhodesians, Zimbabweans fighting in the Second World War. There was a large group of white Zimbabweans who came back from the war saying, look, we've just fought a war against somebody who defined the world in terms of race mm. in a really nasty way. So they thought, we can't go back to Rhodesia and continue this racial divide. But somehow that got overwhelmed by, I don't know what, by fear and I, I don't know what. And, I, and I've, that, that has been my regret in retrospect, that that sort of noble spirit of, mm. of, you know, fighting the Nazis and then going back to Rhodesia and, and let's not be so um, oppressive of, of people, it didn't seem to hold sway for some reason I, I don't know why sadly and so John, Johnny Clegg and Jaluka and Fever is or particularly Johnny Clegg and Jaluka seems to to me to partly capture what might have been if it but look you know maybe it'll all work out well in the end but yeah, it's yeah. No, no, but... pretty pretty crap at the moment I yeah no it's um well, well I'll ask you about that on the other side but let's let's yeah. think about what might yeah. have been yeah. and your sense of that which you picked up when you went to Botswana and and think yeah. about those conversations I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing this thank you
there you go. Johnny Clegg and Juluko, Juluka uh, with Fever. Great song. Yeah. A lot, a lot of fun. And um, what, musically, culturally, socially, what might have been. So um, nice, nicely put, John. So you've, um, I was going to ask you about Zimbabwe, but um, briefly, because um, I don't think either of us think there's much hope there at the moment. But do you think that in the long term, Zimbabwe will get back to what the country it might have been, should have been, should be? Um, if you'd have asked me that uh, 10 or 15 years ago, I would have said yes. But there's been um, 30 years now of complete destruction. I mean, the first 10 years after Robert Mugabe got into power, things seemed to be going quite well. Uh, they did one, Mugabe did a wonderful thing in education. Absolutely. He, he did, you know, everyone in Zimbabwe was really well educated. Uh, um, but then something happened around about the late 90s, early 20s. Some people put it down to the death of his wife, Sally. Uh, and I don't know whether too much damage has been done now that it might take two or three generations for the country to come back. But it's there's a lot of talent in Zimbabwe, so mm. I, I actually don't know. And I keep hoping, but I don't see signs of hope emerging. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can live in hope, as they say. Um, yeah. Now, um, you, you've taken us from two African tunes to yes. Antonio Vivaldi and um, yes, I have. one of my one of my favourite pieces of any kind of music I have to be very honest with you yeah. um, but also I think yeah. a, a music of a uh, piece of music of absolute genius in terms of conception and um, you've gone for the four seasons and spring in E major so um, why does this mean something to you that you want to hear it on your desert island Baron this is a uh... It's a deeply personal thing. It's nothing to do with the big kind of events around my life. It's deeply personal. It's um, um, a, a significant moment with, in regard with with my relationship with my first wife. She had um, returned in the early seventies, maybe the early to mid seventies, from a few years in Europe. We knew each other before then, and. Uh, she took me into a, a, a classical music store and said, I'd like you to listen to this music. And we went into this little booth. We didn't think there were no earphones. Where, where were you, John, nothing. physically? It's, it, this was in Harare. In Harare, She'd okay. back from Europe and, and uh, Jamaica, I think. And she took me into this little booth because we weren't using earphones. And she had played for us the the Valde Four Seasons, and um, so it's kind of like a very poignant personal memory. So nice. And when you heard that piece of music in that booth, what was your yeah. response to it? Uh, it, it was uh, coloured by uh, a feeling of uh, love for the woman next to me, I suppose. And also, it was, it's just a sense of joy and, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, yeah, just warm feeling, you know. And yeah. I've had that with this music ever since. Fantastic. And uh, what a lovely memory. So, joy and love 
um, and warmth um, with a stunning piece of music. So let's, let's have a listen yeah. to that, John. Antonio Vivaldi with the Four Seasons and specifically the um, spring movement in E major. So um, did that bring back nice memories for you, John? It did. It's lovely. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, lo- I love the connection. So um, the next piece of music very, um, very specifically is to do with your life um, travels, your peripatetic journey through life and um, your yes. movement from Europe to Southern Africa and now to... Australia, I think it's fair to say, and uh, with the title Down Under by Men at Work. So 
obviously you moved, I think you moved from, if I recall rightly, from um, Zimbabwe to Botswana, but then to South Africa briefly before going to, before. so how long were you in South Africa before you ended up in Australia? Um, Maybe three years, something like that. And were you in um, Joburg? Yes. And uh, how, how was that? I mean, it was like a big city compared to to Salisbury Harare. So you know, you suddenly felt you'd gone out of the small league into the big league mm. with all the big mining houses and the gold and stuff. But South Africa always felt very harsh. Um, the apartheid was extremely harsh, and there was also the kind of africana english divide which was also quite harsh mm. and it really really was not um it, it was not a nice environment it, it was not it was an unpleasant environment south south africa um uh, uh, except for lady smith blacks <laughs> so the music uh the protest music was good but um no you yeah, yeah. <laughs> look I, I worked in a newspaper and we and we had things like if you there were laws you just couldn't believe like you couldn't write anything about Nelson Mandela for instance so so we had uh, an obituary of Nelson Mandela on file which we wondered because he was getting old at that time we wondered could we use it if he dies you yeah. know it's just, wow. just it's just like a crazy world really and it's and it's, it's interesting because and the, I got I've got a criminal record in South Africa have you because I was uh, because I was working a daily newspaper I I tended to leave home maybe nine nine thirty ten o'clock and get because I was you know you, your day is shifted a bit later on a daily newspaper and this guy came to my door one day and said um, have you got any work for me and we had a smallish yard and I said yeah yeah look could you um could you just clean up this bit of, you know, and do this and do that, and when I get home, I'll, I'll pay you, you know, mm-hmm. no problem. And um, during the day, unbeknownst to me, he was arrested, this poor fellow, for not having a pass. Well, under and the passwords. Um, yeah, I was charged with, I, I can't remember the details, but obviously employing this man and had to appear in court. And You're kidding. So, um, guilty, and it's just it was just outrageous because there's this guy wants a bit of work, there's me wanting some work done, and the state said, No, you can't do that. It's just you're breaking the law, outrageous, actually. Yeah, so, um, so, um, it's all it sounds like it's almost a badge of honor that uh, that criminal record for you. Well, maybe, but yeah, (laughs) it was nasty. Yeah, no, it it does. I I don't mean to make light of it, and and obviously, I. In, in in the current context, I often think about that. I think, well, you know, wrong yes. time, wrong place. It would have been a very different experience uh, for mm-hmm. me and yes. um, for other yes. people of, of my, uh, shall we yeah. say, ethnic heritage um, in that yes, scenario. that's right. Um, but I was, I suppose I was going to say... You're, so sort what, of like a, you're sort of like a Barack Obama, really, with an yeah. African father <laughs> in it. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I have been compared. Uh, yeah. I hope you can beat Trump. <laughs> Me too, me too. Um, you know, and um, you know, with all all all, all the will in the world. Um, but you lasted three yep. years in in um, South Africa. Yep. 
And what was the final straw for you? What what made you say, right, I'm getting out of here and I'm going, you know, to Australia um, from there? Well, I suppose it was the same when I, I think I left Zimbabwe or my my family and I left Zimbabwe in 1978 because we thought there's no solution to this. It's just going to be in eternal civil war. And there's, there's the same sort of feeling in South Africa. Uh, there might have been the, um, I think the Soweto protests mm-hmm. in uh, 1986 about the language in schools. Yeah, Khan's language and, and teachers. And, and, and the ANC uh seemed to be so weak and the uh Africa, you know the nationalist government seemed to be so strong you thought this is going to go on forever can i bring a family up in this do i want to bring a family up in this so we thought now we got to get out of here we're going to go to somewhere where there's not the same pressure um yeah on you know you you want i don't know you just you're looking after a family and you think this is what I want for the family, you know. Absolutely. Grow up in relatively normal circumstances if it's possible. Yeah. So so you... you Maybe that was naive back in the day, but anyway. No, no, I think anyone who has a family, um, yeah. you're, as you yeah. know, as anyone, anyone who has a family, your priorities yeah. change and it's no longer about you, yeah. it's about their welfare and what you want for them. So yeah. it's just you happen to be in extreme historical situation, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm just curious because I'm about to play um, Down Under Men at Work, which is obviously a quintessential yeah. Australian song. I'm curious yes. about um, your decision to go to Australia and how you found moving to Australia, given your what you've told us so far, given your previous background. What was that like for you? Um, we had tried to move to the UK, but it looked too hard. Um, and I can't remember the precise details of why it looked too hard because we all we all had British passports, so that was an issue. Uh, I think we thought that Australia was a similar sort of place to which we'd grown up in terms of sunshine and uh, open air lifestyle, and they played cricket, thank goodness. <laughs> and um, it seemed like a bit of an escape from the uh, trauma of the old world in a way i suppose and also and this and this relates to why i've chosen this song down under australia seemed quite a tolerant laid-back sort of open welcoming society at the time and this is what this song down under seems to portray to me i think in some ways we were mistaken in that view and certainly that's not what Australia is today. But at the time, it seemed like such a wonderful option. Okay, so let's play that. Down Under, Men at Work, yep. and the yep. uh, promise of Australia and escape from the old world.
Men at Work with Down Under. Yeah. And um, a sort of promise of a new life in a new place, but with sunshine. Yes. And, yes, and cricket. And cricket. So <laughs> you keep mentioning cricket, and I'll be honest, I've got this Irish uh, lacuna on cricket, but um, is that, a, yeah, is that an important, an important uh, part of your life, playing cricket and watching cricket? Yes. And uh, I would have chosen a cricket song, but I don't know of one. Oh, well, there's a how's how's that from the seventies? Oh, is there? I yeah, yeah, know. yeah. I'll uh, I'll uh, well, I was thinking of uh, I don't I don't like cricket. I love it, but I don't think that is actually about cricket. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, who are your great cricketing heroes then? That's a long discussion. Um, Maybe a separate one. Adam, uh, yeah, Adam Gilchrist. Oh yeah, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, and um, uh, in South Africa, Barry Richards and Grant Pollock. Yeah, great players. And uh, in England, Dennis Compton as before my time. Alistair Cook, I quite like, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I, I do like players who play with a smile on their face, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we'll have to do a, a separate cricket show, yeah. John. Yeah, yeah, okay. we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. We, we can talk through it and play some cricket. I'll find some cricket-related music for you. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like a good plan. Yeah, let's do that. But for now, we're going to move on to an amazing band. And um, everyone yeah. mentions them in terms of just the sheer technical prowess and... Um, Memories from a certain time. So you've got the Beach Boys and Kokomo. And um, yes, now, tell yeah. me about it. Well, look, this is a particularly strange thing that has stuck in my mind is when our family moved to Brisbane from Melbourne. When we first came to Australia, we went to Melbourne and we spent three years in Melbourne. We moved to Brisbane for reasons of job. We lived in a place called Paddington, which is. Uh, an older suburb in Brisbane, and all the houses are made of uh, wood, not very thick wood. Right. And it's a very hilly area, so they're all on these long stilts. Okay. But, uh, so, you know, like the house we stayed in in Paddington was like 20 metres off off the ground at the back, but it was on the street level at the front because it was built on the side of a steep hill. Uh, But all the houses are like, very close together so you you could open your window and stretch out and touch the house next to you (laughs) (laughs) and uh i just remember from that time with the youngest family in brisbane the neighbors were always playing kokomo really (laughs) and it's a i like the tune and it's a sort of a nice bouncy thing but it just brings back that time of to me a memory of young family living in this house where the neighbours were, you know, if you just kind of had to have an agreement, the neighbours are going to play music or yeah, you yeah. were going to play music, yeah, yeah, but did. not both of you. <laughs> one, of, one at a time, not not, not different songs yeah, yeah, that's flaring right. up. Yeah, yeah. And this was a theme. So that's a lovely memory. So young family life yeah. in Brisbane yeah. and yeah. Um, the, the Beach Boys were Kokomas. Let's have a listen to that then. Yeah. Hey. 
Boys with Kokomo. I really enjoyed that. I have to be honest. I was dancing around the room while that was going on. <laughs> nice memories, I hope. Yes, indeed, they are. Sort of early family life. Fantastic. So, um, John, you've taken us on uh, quite a journey um, in terms of music yeah. and life story. And um, the next song, I don't know. It's by a band called The Chicks. Is this um, a country and western song? I think it was uh, written by Stevie Nicks of... Um, of uh, Fleetwood Mac. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's a re- originated. Now, I could have chosen her version, but I don't know it that well. Okay. Um, and so, it's Landslide. Yeah, it's the, is... the Chicks. It used to be called the Dixie Chicks. Have just changed ah, okay. The name okay, that's, that's why I was Dixie thinking of it. not so much in person anymore. Yeah. And um, so... Yeah, the, okay. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, John. The, the song is Landslide yeah. and from the album yeah. Home. And uh, yeah. what what is it you like about this one? Well, I understand that uh, Stevie Nicks wrote this when she was 27, and it's about being 27 and when you sort of finally pass out of uh, childhood, young adulthood into sort of full adulthood. And uh, so this is kind of like um, a, a tribute, if that's the right word, or an acknowledgement of my kids, you know, and how um, they're now all passed on into uh, full-fledged adulthood and, um, you know, they're all great citizens and um, I love them, obviously. Well, maybe not obviously. I love them. And so this this song reminds me of their sort of passage from 
through life, really. In, into, into, yeah. yeah, yeah, through yeah. life. Yeah, because yeah, exactly. the, yeah, well, the, yeah. the first one you were talking about, you took us back to Johannesburg, you're saying, is this really the place to bring up children? You moved to, yeah. you gave us that sort of early family memory we just had of Kokomo, yeah. and now you're thinking of them. So, so for, for, those of, for those who don't know your children, in terms of ages yeah. downwards, who, who are they and how would you describe them? Jackie, who you know well, yep. um, is the eldest, um, uh, and Sam is the, the middle guy who's just hit the big 40 mark actually wow. a year or so ago. And, uh, and Jared is the youngest who's living in Norwich. Yep. Uh, Sam's in London, uh, uh, Jackie's in uh, Norfolk, actually Suffolk, sorry. Um, and they're all sort of making their way through life in a, I think, a sensible sort of way. And uh, a measure of of their worth to society. If, I don't know. That sounds terrible. The, the, you know, they, they're just they're good citizens and lovely, honest people, and I feel proud of them. And brilliant. Well, oof, this song reminds makes you of me that. think of the transition. You know, yeah, yeah, to to, to being fine citizens. Excellent. Well, and that's what I mean. I've got slightly younger children. And that's what you want. Um, you want you wish to happen. So um, let's play that for your children. And um, obviously, your yeah. obvious um, obvious pride in, in their um, in their adulthood. So here we go.
The Chicks with Landslides and a beautiful song um, tribute to your three great children. So uh, nice, nice one to play there, John. So now, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. So listen, we've um, you've, we've got two more to go, and um, two incredible artists, two very different artists. First one yes. is a fantastic song by the great Nat King Cole called "Unforgettable." So I'm assuming this relates to somebody who's unforgettable. Who would that be? <laughs> Look, it's two unforgettable women in my life. One is my mother, who is no longer with us. Um, she loved Nat King Cole. Uh, and the other is my second wife, oh, Rosemary. Wow. Um, we were born in the same year and we discovered uh, uh, a while back when we were doing a big party for our 60th that the best-selling record of 1952 when we were both born was Nat King Cole's Unforgettable. Oh, really? So it just seemed like so emblematic and great and in so many ways was right and it's also very nice number it's a beautiful number so two two great women in your life your second wife rosemary and your and your mother and uh, remind me your 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 parents names uh my mum was maureen milligan before she that was her maiden name and my dad was arthur tilston Brilliant. Okay, well, unforgettable for two great women in your life by the brilliant Nat King Cole. Yeah.
Unforgettable for your mother Maureen, married as a born Milligan, and uh, for your second wife Rosemary, I believe. So, uh, fantastic piece of music. So, uh, John, we now are um, at the end, and you've chosen a, a rousing song um, by um, <laughs> by a band. Um, that um, kind of a boy's own band, band I grew up loving, and I'm sure lots of boys like me and like you did. Um, the Eagles with Hotel California. Uh, we've got a 2013 remaster here. So, why are you uh, going out on a, on a bang with this one? <laughs> well, look, you know there were several numbers that I I would have thought of including, but Hotel California for me now symbolises retirement for me. Uh, and uh, a couple of years ago, Rosie and I were cruising down the Mekong Delta, or Mekong, oh, wow. Mekong River in um, Cambodia, yep. heading towards Vietnam. And there was a, there were a lot of uh, people of my, of my age on board. And there was a karaoke on, which I've never really done in my life before. And uh, Hotel California came on, and I was goaded into doing the karaoke in Hotel California. It is a number I love, and it just seemed to kind of epitomize the carefree nature of retirement until, you know, all the ailments kick in. <laughs> and I'm in that happy position of being retired before the ailments kick in. Good for so you. Hotel California, yeah, Hotel California sort of embodies that for me. That sort of uh, happy, happy retirement, sweet spot in retirement, shall we say? And are you yeah, going? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you going to give us uh, a little burst before I play the actual song? No, 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 not because <laughs> I don't have the words in front of me, and I got a terrible memory for lyrics. No worries. Okay, well let's let's play the Eagles singing "Hotel California" yeah. in that case, yeah. but remembering your karaoke session on the Mekong River. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, great stuff.
had to let that uh, flow because um <laughs> i was enjoying it so much what a what a <laughs> what a great song so we have come to the end of your eight choices and as you know i'm not i'm now going to pose you with um a difficult question so i'm going to remind you that you're going to have to choose between your song grandchildren and choose one of them to take with you. Um, but before that, do you want to, and um, you don't have to, of course, take either the Bible or the complete works of Shakespeare with you to your island? Look, I think, I think, um, given that I'm probably going to be there a long time, I'd probably take Shakespeare. Okay. That'll, uh, that'll give you something um, to, to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I haven't read all of him. And uh, so, yeah, I'll probably take him, I'm, you know, to be quiet nights around the campfire. There you go, in your Robinson Crusoe moments. And yeah, uh, yeah. you said earlier that um, you might be all right on your desert island. I'm just wondering how you think you're going to be. You said as an only child you might be okay. How do you think you, you'll fare yeah. um, with your own company far out, far out to sea? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I'm with someone I like, so maybe it'll be okay. Okay, okay, that's a good start. It's a good start. And um, as a as a book, what book would you like to take with you? Well, look, I think one of the most important things in life is a bit of humour. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take a book of poetry by Roger McGough. Oh, very good, from the uh, uh, the Liverpool um, poet. Yeah, that's the, the Liverpool man, and I think it's going to be defying gravity. Excellent. Well, you're very welcome to have that. We can, we can put that on your boat yeah. as you're sailing away. Yeah, and you're yeah, also, yeah, as you know, you. no pleasure. And you're also, as you know, entitled to one luxury. So which luxury would you like to take with you? Uh, 
I'm going to take uh, a bottle of uh, champagne. Good man. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're going to if you're going to be on your own with your own company with somebody you like, you may as well enjoy yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go out with a bang. Yeah, absolutely. Now um, you've got to choose between your children. Which of those eight songs, and I don't mean your children, I mean your songs, which one of those songs are you going to take, if I was to take everyone away and just leave you with one of them, which would that be? Uh, Look, I think it would have to be Vivaldi. Hmm. And I'd ask for not only Spring, but the other three too, but if I can't get that, I'll just... No, no, I think think we can be generous and give you all four seasons. Okay, yeah. Okay, thank you. No, a thank pleasure. You. I appreciate it. <laughs> Anytime. So, you know, you've you got to be on your own. So uh, I think yeah, uh, yeah. you'll have time to listen to it. So, uh, so listen, John, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. How has it yeah. been for you reminiscing through no, been, all the parts I've of your life to music? Too, I, uh, uh, my only complaint is that I had a couple of other songs or numbers that I would like to have squeezed in and, uh, you know... Uh, but otherwise, no, it's been good. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. A oh, pleasure. Well, listen, which, um, just out of interest, which songs were you thinking, oh, I wish I could have taken those? Uh, well, look, I would have loved to have had something to remind me of London when I lived there for six or seven years. And I was thinking I would take something from the last night of the proms, even though that's a bit nationalistic and what have you. I think the last night of the proms is a wonderful occasion. And... Um, if I was, I was thinking about something a bit more spiritual, and I probably would have gone for something from Handel's Messiah, but I couldn't quite squeeze it in. Mm. Handel's so Messiah is a stunning piece of work. So those are so. Um, so you've got Handel's Messiah, you've got Last Night of the Problems, and London. If you were to choose one of those, which would it be? I think it would have to be the Last Night of the Problems when. All those people are waving their flags and They're all that sort of pomp and, and circumstance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's, Even though it's a bit kind of dated now, it still is a wonderful occasion, I think. And what, and what is it that I haven't occasion. actually? Is it is it Jerusalem or Land of Hope and Glory? Which one is it that you're, you're thinking of? Um, I think it's the sailor song, which the whistling. What's it? Where people bob up and down. Ah, okay. <laughs> Like that. Well, I think you've just done it for us, so thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> John Tilston, thank you so much for your time and your company. Okay. And um, I, I look, look forward to speaking to you soon, and we'll talk about that cricketing program. All right, okay. Okay, have a good evening. Take care. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye-bye.